0: Join me, Harriet Gould, for the Lab Matters podcast to hear fascinating stories every week from the inspiring people behind the science. In this episode, fresh from the New Year's Honours list, I'm joined by the Chief Executive of the Royal Society of Chemistry, Dr. Helen Payne, MBE. Hi, Helen. Helen, um, we are very lucky today. We've got Dr. Helen Payne, MBE, MBE. Um, CEO of the Royal Society of Chemistry with us today. Um, Helen's had a really exceptional career and no more so than receiving an MBE recently. We'll come on to that. Um, but it didn't start there. So, um, Helen, hello. Um, I wonder Hi. if you can take us back a little bit to um, where you started.
1: Gosh, Harriet it's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, gosh, where did it start? I guess it started uh, right back when... I think when I was at school, do you know, I loved school, absolutely loved school, and um, I was really good when I was at school at maths, and for so much of my school days, that's what really inspired me, until I had an exceptional chemistry teacher, and I met um, Dr. Cousins, Dr. Sheila Cousins. She had a PhD PhD from Imperial College and when I went to my secondary school uh, I think she was a deputy head teacher and then she became head teacher but she was also my chemistry teacher and if it hadn't been for Dr Cousins I don't think I would have chosen a career in chemistry and the real specific thing about Dr Cousins was because she was a deputy head teacher and then a head teacher it was her leadership qualities that really inspired me Um, and from kind of probably from the age of about 12 That's who I decided I wanted to be like, not as a teacher, but doing the subject and doing the kind of science behind what I could see Dr. Cousins doing. So alongside my uh, love of maths and all things logic and logic puzzles, um, I developed this kind of real uh, love of chemistry. Um, And I think that's that's what started it. That's what started my career that I've obviously continuing with today.
0: What um, Was there a particular experiment or something that really captured your imagination at the time?
1: Um, I think the thing with chemistry is it's all very much kind of hands-on. It's about doing things in a kind of practical setting. So it's a theory and I, you know, I was really drawn to theory, but it was the, the mix of being able to understand through books and, um, you know, what you could visualise on the page, but actually being able to carry it out yourself. So... I've always enjoyed um, doing things that are quite creative. I'm not necessarily very good at it in terms of, you know, creative things or art or anything like that. But actually the ability to do things with your hands um, is really exciting. And that's what chemistry is all about. It's all about being able to do things kind of in situ and and show the, you know, show what's happening um and the things that change color and the things that make new compounds the things that make new materials and all of that kind of understanding how things work um is what really kind of attracted me so again if it hadn't I wonder I always wonder whether if Dr Cousins happened to have been a you know of kind of background in engineering or something whether I would have followed uh that kind of path and said but but I'm so fortunate and so grateful that it was chemistry because that really has uh kind of been with me uh through my whole career
0: that's marvelous. It sounds like you're really enriched by enriched by doing it. Um. So then, so you had you had Dr. Cousins, but you had to leave Dr. Cousins and go go on and further your education to
1: further my education. Of course, I did. So I I did. I was at a very good um uh, kind of state school that I went to. Um. And when I came to choose my uh A levels, I obviously chose to do chemistry. Interestingly, though. Um, I think I initially thought about doing uh, geography, but actually I decided that uh, I didn't want to leave Dr. Cousins at that point. So I continued with my with um, A-level chemistry and then when it came to choosing a university to go to um, because as I said at the beginning it was really maths that was my subject um, so I looked for courses that uh, would combine the maths and the chemistry and at that point in time uh, there were four or five universities across the UK that did a combined honours degree Um, and one of them happened to be Exeter and I I went down to Exeter and um, I had some connection with the West Country so I ended up doing my degree Uh, originally initially I went to do maths And chemistry, but I soon discovered how difficult uh, the maths was at university level um, and decided that rather than split my time between two subjects, I would really focus on the thing that I really loved by that stage, um, partly because of the subject matter and the practical and the experiments and the ability to be in a lab, um, but also the people. Um, I was just so kind of lucky that I had kind of found a community in chemistry that I just really kind of felt um so connected to and was really the thing that kind of drove me. And again, it's that community, the chemistry community that has been with me um since I decided to go to Exeter to do a
0: degree. That's I mean it sounds so lovely. It sounds almost like um you've fall you know fallen right in line with what you're you've been put on this planet to do. Um there's never been any question. Apart from that geography, it's I'm curious, what made you consider geography?
1: What made me consider geography? Um I think I was good at the subject, or at least I thought I was when I was <laughs> doing my O levels. Um interestingly, I think I did much better in chemistry than I did in geography. Um and I think the other thing about um, geography, it was still about understanding about the kind of, it was, you know, the people aspect of it. And it was the kind of um, just kind of understanding how things work. And, uh, you know, there are some similarities, aren't there, across all those kind of subjects, whether it's the the kind of sciences or the social sciences, about mm-hmm. understanding how big systems work. Um, and that probably was the thing that I enjoyed about Uh, geography at the time but of course you know in terms of how things work and systems in a different way is what you you can experience through chemistry and studying chemistry
0: yeah i completely agree with you everything everything is connected in a certain way and um those sometimes those lines can be detrimental but it's hard to know where to separate them and where to join them sometimes um so so you're doing that you're doing your your undergrad at exeter um you you obviously had some very good teachers there, some good lecturers, professors. Is there anyone that sticks out in your memory?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I did. I so said I did my undergraduate uh, degree in chemistry, and and you know I was so fortunate. I had a you know all of my um, lecturers were were really um, attentive in the sense that they really cared about the students. Um, so one of my my undergraduate uh, tutor in my first year uh, was a professor David Evans. Um, And uh, after I'd left Exeter, he moved to China and, in fact, David is still in China and is somebody that I work very closely with in terms of our kind of work in China now. But in particular, David has been phenomenal in his ability to put together outreach reach programs uh, for many um, school children within China. And uh, it's kind of it's a fantastic example of where you can have one kind of interaction with an individual because of one part of your career. Where So as a, as a tutor and I was in my first year and then all these years later to, to work with somebody still connected through chemistry but in a very different way so I I love the fact that I've got these kind of long-term connections with people Um, but the person when I was doing my degree and then um, particularly when I was doing my PhD who really was a role model and absolutely inspired me was uh, uh, Professor Eddie Abel um, Edward Abel he was um, head of our department he went on to have a senior role within the university as uh, Provost Chancellor and um, Ed then um which was unbeknown to me at the time, actually, when I was in Exeter, had a very strong role uh, within the Royal Society of Chemistry, and in fact, he became president of the RSC uh, not long after I joined um, the the organisation in 1994. Um, but Ed was just so supportive and really put students first. Um, and I think that was a huge, you know, all credit to him and his, not only was he a phenomenal chemist um, and a phenomenal teacher, um, but it was the real kind of, he understood uh, that he was, you know, the the individual needs of the students that he worked with um, and had a real interest in in what they went on to do. And there's a number of us um, still in chemistry and doing different roles in different places who still have that, uh, would credit Um, Ed as being the person that uh, kind of started them off in their careers and really inspired him um, inspired them so um, I feel incredibly privileged and grateful that I had that uh, had the ability to work with and uh, to know Ed for so many years.
0: Sounds like a terrific mentor Um, so then you graduated What, what what came after that?
1: Um, so obviously I graduated my first degree, carried on to my PhD. Well, whilst I was doing my PhD, I, I think I did the thing that um, back in the early 90s, that every um, student did, which was to go around the milk round interviews. So um, I interviewed for several roles across the big uh, chemical companies and, uh, you know, places like ICI and Crown Paints and I think uh, something through Mobile Oil or, or British Gas. And, you know, they were all, you went to, to all of these um assessment centres to go on to a graduate programme. But what became really clear to me during that period of time is I was really inspired by I think there's something around the business side of of what I wanted to do, something around the leadership piece. Um, But what became really apparent to me is what I wanted to do was work with the people. Um, So it was the people aspect. Um, and in fact, during that, I think the last year of my PhD, I even said to my supervisor when asked, you know, what do you want to go on to do? I said, I wanted to go to the, to work for the Royal Society of Chemistry and organise conferences um, because I realised I had a real, uh, I was really drawn to organising things and organising people and kind of working with people. And I think that by that stage, I had decided that I wouldn't necessarily want to continue in an academic career and for a, a number of reasons. Um, uh, but uh, so... In my just as I was finishing my PhD, um, I opened New Scientist one day, and there was an advert uh, for what was called the younger chemist liaison officer at the Royal Society of Chemistry. And I just looked at the advert and thought, "That's my job. That's what I want to do." Um, and I was very fortunate in applying for it. Um, I was interviewed, and I was offered the role, and I haven't looked back since. So. Yeah, it felt like a very much a meant to be moment uh, when I saw that job advert. But little did I know at that stage what I'd go on to do at the RSC or all that I'd spend my whole career uh, working for the Mm organisation.
0: Good old new scientist. Other magazines are available. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, so... Tell me a bit more about doing your PhD. Was it was what 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 did you do for a start? Um, so I was working
1: in inorganic chemistry, um, doing specifically coordination chemistry. So I worked with a, a ligand called terpyridine, and I was looking at complexes of terpy. To pyridine with transition metals and then uh, creating novel compounds and then studying the um, um, looking at them under kind of different conditions, uh, particularly using kind of variable temperature NMR to look at the kind of functionality um, So tends to form either bidentate or um complexes. And uh, we discovered um, um, something called the tick-tock mechanism, whereby Uh, it uh, fluctuates from kind of two different forms, um, but in a tick-tock mechanism rather than a kind of rotational mechanism. Um, In fact, if I look above my desk where I'm sitting currently, I've got a model model of the tapiridine ligand because I used it in a school talk recently just to explain um, what I was working on. Um, And I think the fact that I was able to kind of work with you know some amazing colleagues in the lab and identify this particular mechanism that I could kind of say I was part of the naming of that. I was always uh, kind of really proud of. Um, and, that, and then I went then through that work. I was able to publish a few papers, um, particularly with the RSC. So again, I am was very proud of that connection. I had back um, then so that's what I worked on and um, I had the opportunity during my PhD again to be part of a community of uh, other coordination chemists and um, working in in similar areas and again you know Um, many years later uh, one of our trustees Ed Constable worked in a similar area when I was doing my PhD so it was again a really nice link back uh, to having those very early connections with people in chemistry and being able to use those uh, kind of relationships now as well Um, but yeah so that's what my PhD um, lots of time in the lab uh, lots of um, synthesis lots of analytical techniques Um, lots of throwing lots of things together and seeing if it works and that's what I love about inorganic chemistry. It's done on kind of scale, it's done with full colour and you get a chance to really try things out and see what works and in 98% of the time what doesn't work and that's sometimes just as exciting.
0: Indeed it's good to rule things out. Um, You you, you didn't necessarily rule anything out while you were doing your PhD as, as someone might have suggested I understand Is that right?
1: (laughs) Yes when I was doing my PhD I remember one of um, my colleagues in the lab um, said to me one day um, I was very taken aback at the point because I didn't quite understand why the statement was made but um, along the lines of you've obviously decided not to get married and to have children and I I remembered at the time thinking gosh what is it I've said or done that would give anybody that impression Um, and when I asked when I kind of queried it or or kind of obviously act a little bit surprised, probably a bit taken aback and probably a little bit offended. Um, They went on to say, because you've chosen to do a PhD, so why would you spend time doing a PhD if you were planning to go on and get married and have children? Um, and you know, I didn't I don't think I thought any more of it other than the fact that I knew that I was offended and I knew that it did have a bit of an impact on me in terms of maybe it kind of put a little bit of self doubt in my mind about I wasn't good enough to go on and in a kind of, you know, um either to get married or have children or, or maybe, you know uh wouldn't kind of follow that kind of path or or maybe also maybe doubt about my commitment to chemistry and about my commitment beyond doing a PhD and going on to do any you know postdoc or, or to become um work in academic research um but did you know it was only years later that I that it really struck me about the how how that comment was so kind of partly well inappropriate but also quite um Yeah, quite uh, impactful Mm. on me. And I think because I've done so much work um, over the last few years and thinking about research culture and about what's appropriate and, and, you know, about how um, we need to encourage people to continue in in academic research and to continue in the lab, that, you know, these comments are not acceptable. And to to stereotype or to um, make statements of that nature that really do kind of you know um yeah it's just not acceptable so but it is something that's come back to me in recent years
0: Mm, and it's and it and it didn't it didn't luckily it didn't affect you at the time and you've got a PhD and you got married and And I had children
1: yes so um and I don't I don't think that 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 comment probably um kind of uh kind of changed my course of my you know what I chose to do going forward but yes I can I can happily say that I'm married and uh, have two children.
0: Cool. Are they interested in chemistry?
1: Um, they are actually so I have two, two sons both of whom are grown up now uh, my other son has recently graduated from his degree in chemistry and uh, my youngest son is just in his first year um, studying geology but in fact his first year is uh, he's doing geology and chemistry so heavily uh, kind of uh, influenced and kind of involved in chemistry as well but I think he'll go on to do uh, to focus more on his geology as he um, completes his, his degree mm-hmm. but I like to think I've had a little bit of influence there but never had to help them with the homework and that's why I was always very grateful and they never came to me for help with homework uh or anything so
0: fabulous it's a it's a the chemistry dynasty you're you're creating here oh maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> um so, um, you said you did the milk round, um, applying for jobs, but then you found that one in New Scientist at the Royal Society of Chemistry. So, was were you straight there after after doing your PhD, straight into the warm nest? That is- I was,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, I I finished my. I remember writing up my PhD. I'd finished in the lab. Uh, During the kind of summer of um, 1993, I was then writing up and I submitted, I think, mid-November. But in the October is when I saw the advert um, and I interviewed for the role. I I remember beginning of December and then I started on the 10th of January 1994. Um, So almost to the day, 30 years ago, I started at the RSC. Um, And I remember going for the interview and it was in the same building where I continue to work now in Cambridge on the Science Park um and i remember uh, sitting through the interview and and even at that stage knowing that the fact that i'd done my phd and my degree and the connections i already made through that um kind of my experience of chemistry uh, were helping me in kind of securing that job um and that was really that was really nice to know that uh, i was getting the job because i had done a degree and phd in chemistry and in fact that has always been a very strong theme throughout all the roles I've had and uh, my ability to connect with the people I work with now. So so I always put it back to the fact that I certainly made the right decision in, in doing the, the degree uh, in the first place.
0: You're here with me, Harriet Gould, for the Lab Matters podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate us on your favourite podcast platform. Do you remember who interviewed you?
1: I do, yes. So I was interviewed... Um, uh, by uh, a lady called Jane Sutton and she was my very first boss and Jane now works at the Royal Academy of Engineering um, and in fact just recently um, she was in contact um, when I was awarded my my uh, MBE and I on, on LinkedIn I thanked Jane for giving my ver- me my very first role at the RSC and I will always be grateful for Jane to Jane for um, giving me my first job and mm-hmm. she was a joy to work with and absolutely and um, So I was, yeah, very, 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 very uh, pleased that I had the opportunity.
0: Yeah, it sounds it. Um, So after that, tell us a little bit about that job and then some of the other jobs that you've had at the Royal Society of Chemistry. So I,
1: I probably would describe my career as quite linear, which I think is quite um kind of different from many careers now. in fact, i was at a, I was asked, talking at a an event last year, and somebody introduced this concept of a squiggly career i e you know goes off in all different directions, and I think mine is absolutely the opposite of that. It has been quite linear. Um, through the same organisation, albeit the fact I've had many different roles uh, with the RSC. So when I joined in 1994, as I mentioned earlier, I was the um, Younger Chemist Liaison Officer. And that sounds like a very fancy title. Um, But what my job was to travel around the UK and Ireland recruiting student members to the RSC. So I genuinely thought I had the best job in the world because I could spend every day and virtually every day, certainly through term time, going to different university departments, um, often meeting people that I'd already knew through my degree or PhD or that I'd met through conferences um, and talking with students and talking to them about the benefits of being a member of the RSC, which are very many benefits in terms of, you know, careers guidance, careers advice, support, funding um, and connections and all the other things that we continue to do now. Um, And there was a real sense of uh, achievement, not least because of um, visiting. And I think my first year I visited 65 chemistry departments. And before there were sat navs and before there were mobile phones, that in itself was an achievement um, because I was navigating all these different uh, city centres and all these different campuses. Um, but through that you meet so many people and again you know one of the great things now is that i'm still in contact with the people that i recruited in those first couple of years at the rsc all that were the uh, program leads or program directors at the university so we still have that kind of um that link so i think there's many there are some of our members uh, and in our community who will have met me first time when i joined the rsc um and have Probably literally, literally see me grow through the organisation um, and, and that's a nice thing uh, to always to be aware of um, but having done that job for a couple of years um, my job really just then evolved and grew and so I took on more uh, recruitment and responsibility for the whole of our membership so not just student members but other categories of membership. Um, I started to introduce um the work around kind of marketing and marketing principles. So I um, took myself off to evening class to do a um, qualification in marketing. At that point, nobody at the RSC outside of the publishing activity had a kind of marketing background or even a communications background, and so I so I wanted to kind of establish some of that um, that kind of capability. Um, so I did it through evening classes and uh, brought that back into the organisation, uh, which again has helped me. Continue to do what I do now to have an understanding of customers and understanding of of um, how to you know reach out to different uh, audience groups, um, and then through other roles that I've had, I got more involved in our conferences, in our events, in our networks, um, in our chemist community fund, which um, previously was called the benevolent fund, and I still you know, one of my proudest achievements at the ROC has been working with the Chemist Community Fund. It is just a phenomenal um, opportunity to support people in our community at times of needs, and we have an amazing team doing that uh, now. Um, And there is a true commitment and and passion from the individuals who work with the fund to really help and support members of our community who, in times of real need, um, you know, find that support and that that um opportunity to really you know have life-changing kind of moments and uh you know that continues to be a really kind of important uh connection that I have and again I think back to the time when I managed the chemist community fund or the benevolent fund um I feel very proud of, of what we do and what we've continued to do
0: mm-hmm. it, it is it is a really good it is a really good initiative there's no doubt about that um so you you really had established yourself and positioned yourself really well I wonder did you ever plan to be the CEO how, how did the opportunity come back because of course I mean the, our, our previous CEO was was here for a, a very long time that's right
1: Robert Parker who I owe a huge amount to um, and I'd worked for Robert uh, since he became chief executive back in 2011 but like me Robert's whole career has been spent with the RSC and uh, I think when he re- Um, retired a couple of years ago had been I think 35 years with the organization so I learned a lot from Robert um, and also the chief executives who went before Robert so you know having been here 30 years I've worked with uh, probably three or four chief executives um, and also many others and the interesting thing is actually I've only worked at the RSC I think for for three or four managers um, partly because when I joined the organization was just entering that kind of growth phase and I've always been on the kind of that leading edge of that growth. And so as my, as the organization grew, my role was able to grow and I, I probably created opportunities for myself, but I also took uh, the opportunity because of things around me changing um, to do many more and, and, and different things. Um, but I did have the, I had the advantage of, because of the nature of my role, um, that I was able to work with, you know, successive CEOs over the years. And um, I think there probably was a point, um, in my first, I don't think it was from the time I started at the RSC, I didn't, you know, have an aspiration to be CEO. I think I always had something about the leadership thing. That takes me back to when I had this, was really inspired by Dr. Cousins at school because of her leadership role and the fact that she was the the head teacher. So I think there was always something about what could I do? How, how far could I, you know, achieve in an organisation? What could I do that uh, would really play to my strengths? But something that really excited me and I really, you know, really got a lot of uh, uh, joy from and also a lot of um, uh, kind of confidence from. Um, But there probably was a point after I'd been with the organization about 15 years when I thought maybe that is a role I could do, but what can I learn? What would I have to do? And I've always set myself quite long-term goals um, and felt that if you have a long-term goal, so yeah, absolutely short-term things, but if you have a real long-term goal and aspiration and you just keep focused on that... What can you achieve? And therefore, what decisions do you make have to make along the way? So for example, you know, what what additional training might you you volunteer for? What what voluntary work might you choose to do? Um in in you knowing that I had worked at the RSC for my whole career and if and I did aspire to a you know a, a very senior leadership role. Um there was a point when I thought I ought to get some experience outside of the RSC, and it's at that point I started to do uh, kind of trustee work and volunteer as particular first of all as a school governor, um, and then with other charities, so that I could I could gain some external experience alongside the RSC experience. And I know that stood me in very good stead when it came to uh, finally applying for the role of CEO. Um, so I guess if I had to be kind of honest with myself, I think I I had a kind of yeah i had a had an aspiration um from yeah for for very many years before I became CEO.
0: I think that's comforting to know. It's nice to think that someone's had had a vision and is fulfilling it rather than just it something happening on a whim because an opportunity arose. I think that's nice. I like
1: to think I made some of it happen, yeah, but I was in control of uh, of my future
0: it certainly sounds it certainly sounds like you are um for sure um so when it when it actually happened how did you feel What was it like wow i've arrived or right now i can really get to work
1: What, well, when i became ceo yeah um i think it was i mean i i, I had a kind of slight, i had a very drawn out experience becoming chief executive and and i say that because in uh 2015 i became a deputy chief executive um with Robert as CEO. And then when uh, in beginning of 2020, Robert uh, took some time out and I was appointed as an acting CEO. Um, And then the pandemic hit. So I became acting CEO, I think on the 16th of January 2020. And I think within two weeks, we had learned from our colleagues in China that there was this thing happening. um, And that might have a big impact on, on, you know, what was to come. And of course, that's exactly what panned out uh, with the pandemic. Um, and because of that year of change at the RSC, you know, we all worked differently, everybody worked differently. Um, and because of the context we were going through, um, I think when we came to the end of that year, when, when Robert was due to come back into the role of CEO, uh, lots had changed. And I think at that point, when Robert took the decision uh, to move into a, a slightly different role, at which point um, I became the interim CEO, uh, because... Uh, of course, the trustees would need to go through a full recruitment process to appoint permanent CEO. Um, so I was interim CEO whilst uh, kind of um, they were doing the recruitment of the chief executive. Um, and I went through a full and thorough um, interview and um, recruitment process, which took about four months. Um, and then I was appointed in June uh, 2021, 20, I think. Um, so I went from being deputy to acting to interim and then to CEO. So by the time I'd done that, um, I really felt there wasn't, for me, it was like a continuation. You know, I'd already put in place uh, what I wanted to do in terms of our strategy, what I wanted to do kind of going forward. So there was never a point where it was a kind of a, I've stopped one job and I've started another job. And in fact, that's what I'd say about my whole career. One job has kind of moved into the next. Um, So it's been quite kind of a there has been a real continuum of things so but having said that the day that i was offered the role of ceo i felt incredibly proud and i, I just thought you know this is amazing And i still feel is, very very lucky
0: it it does i mean i can imagine and i wonder how how that feeling of pride compares to um being recognized on the new year's honors list
1: do you know i think it, it it's a similar kind well it is the same pride actually because it's it's still connected to amazing work of our community and of my colleagues and all the people I've worked with. So, um, you know, I I achieved the role of uh, CEO through the work that I'd done with many, many different people over the years. Um, The opportunity to work with the Science Council, the opportunity to work with the technician commitment where I'm chair of the steering board, um, the opportunity to do work, uh, you know, with with many different organisations, many different stakeholders. Um, And that really helped me when I, you know, became chief executive. Um, But that was very much focused on the RSC part. Um, I think what really I was what was what I felt really kind of privileged about and extremely honoured by when I got the letter about being an MBE or being uh, made an MBE was the fact that it was kind of recognising my work and across the whole kind of science community. And again, it's that community piece which really matters to me. Um, and the connection of all the different parts of the science community and how that comes together to really make a sector that is so strong and has so much kind of opportunity to do such great things. Um, so, yeah, so it was a kind of reinforcement of the pride that I felt when I was got the CEO role. But I kind of almost uh, because it's recognition that's coming from so many different kind of parts of you know the work that I've done. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: It must be. Congratulations. I had
1: to read the letter many times to be... <laughs> <laughs> to convince myself it was real
0: when when do you when do you get your award
1: uh, uh at some point during kind of the early part of this year so um i'm yeah that i know they're going to be in contact and uh yeah the opportunity to go and receive it so which will be which will be amazing
0: that will be wonderful i yeah really congratulations i Thank think you. a lot, of, Thank a lot you. of people would like to say congratulations to you for that one um and i guess before we end the the first thing the the last thing in fact um that i would like to ask you is uh, what what what's next what's next for you what's next for your work your work outside and inside the rsc what's next for the future of science and of chemistry
1: gosh well the future of chemistry is um you know that there is so much potential opportunity um for chemistry to really continue to make a difference and, and you know through the rsc our whole purpose is about helping the chemical science community make the world a better place and absolute commitment to that whether that's through kind of sustainability or through our inclusion diversity work uh, through supporting our community through through ensuring that the discipline is continues to strengthen continues to be funded Um, ensuring that uh, we advocate on behalf of the subject but also in terms of influencing policy Um, and also ensuring that um, you know there are future chemical scientists um, through influencing and inspiring all those uh, you know children coming through school um, supporting the teachers that they can then you know teach um, and inspire themselves and be the role models for uh, future generation. Um, So There is so much work to continue doing, um, so much uh, impact to continue achieving. Um, I'm really proud of where we are currently at the RSC. I know there's lots of change across the chemical science sector. There is a lot of change across the publishing sector, the way that research is done. Um, We need to continue to be part of that. And I always say, uh, from an RSC perspective, there are many things that we will lead in. There are many things that we will partner in, and there are many things that we will support, and it's about making sure that we play to our strengths and we play the role and the important role that we play alongside all the other um, disciplines and and the others, uh, individuals, people's roles, um, professions that make up uh, the science profession as a whole. For me, um, so having said I've just celebrated 30 years at the RSC, Um, I'm absolutely focused on what does the next five years, next 10 years look like? so, yeah, I've got to, you know, I've got to set my next kind of five years goal, five years of uh, challenge. What do I want to achieve in that time? But equally, what do I want to help others achieve? Because uh, I do realise that uh, I'm in a very fortunate position to be able to support and mentor and uh, hopefully to some, maybe be a role model for the future uh, Chief Executive of the Royal Society of Chemistry. So, um going back to you know the role the important role that Robert played has played in my career um I know that when Robert stepped down as CEO um he he the fact that he had really helped with succession planning for the RSC in support of me but also in the support of many others as well um I want to make sure that uh you know when when it comes my turn to uh leave the RSC that I have left the organization in a in a you know, equally strong position. So, succession planning, I think, is
0: really important. It's as though you're prime minister, Helen. I like prime it. minister. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that's a role I hadn't considered. So.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that can be your ten-year plan. Or well, maybe not, Harriet. Maybe not. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Um, was um, I hope Dr. Cousins knows how much she inspired you. That's all I.
1: Well. I know that uh, I did have, I was in contact with her um, several years ago because I wrote to her when I, I think when I became director of membership actually at the RSC. So um, unfortunately, I I think Dr. Cousins has uh, has passed away now. But uh, yeah, I certainly wrote to her to let her know the role that I had. So and, And to thank her because actually, you know, I would, I will keep saying that if it hadn't been for Dr. Cousins when I was at school, I do wonder what I would be doing now
0: well luckily for us we don't have to wonder um thank you so much helen it's been a real joy talking to you um really appreciate it
1: thank you thank you harriet